ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 125 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip in the studio with my coworkers James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal on this 11th day in May, one day after Mother's Day. I got to ask you guys, did you did you guys take care of your moms yesterday? Make a good phone call, do a FaceTime, anything special for your parents? Yeah, I gave her a phone call. Just a phone call? Just a phone call. Phone call. Send her some puzzles. Yeah? Bought her some puzzles on eBay. And Something some to puzzles. do? Yeah, she's, she lives all by herself, now my mom doesn't, so, yeah, she's getting a little bored and a little stir crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I entrusted my brother to get some things for my mom, and he didn't do so hot, so I have to make up for it. I feel terrible. I saw my brother last week. He came up to visit me for a couple of days, and I was like, hey, man, can you take care of this for me so I don't have to spend this much money to, like, you live two miles from mom, you know, spend this much money so I don't have to send stuff? Oh, yeah, but... Didn't go quite over his plan, so I'm basically going to plan another Mother's Day for my mom because couldn't be there, had to work, and didn't go quite as I wish it would have. Uh, I know it was a little bit different, though. I know for a lot of moms out there, it was probably a little weird. Didn't get the normal, you know, huge bouquet of flowers or go, got to go out to dinner or do any type of, you know, fun activity with the family. But still, nonetheless, us here at the Get Around appreciate all of you moms wishing you a happy belated mother's day without you moms i'm sure none of these student athletes that we cover would be at their games or i mean nobody would be running the concession stand anything the volunteers that happen i mean i I mean there's dads too but you'll get your day in like a month we'll we'll get to you guys in like four weeks from now mother's day was yesterday but maybe to be warm by then maybe but we you know that we uh we appreciate the moms here at the get around i know we've talked to a couple athletes who who do nothing but have praise for their moms and i mean I know my mom made me who I am today. So shout out to Allison Adnett Peterson, my mom, best one in the world. I hope that uh, I hope that the rest of the week is fantastic. But yeah, we have a we have a we have a good episode for you guys today. Got plenty to talk about. We got some new coaching changes that we want to update you on. Some changes in the MHSAA that happened last week as they've got, had their spring meetings. And we have a few more things. We have a great interview with the new Glen Lake football coach, Nate Sneed, who was promoted from within. We're going to get his story and kind of let you know uh, what his plans are for Glen Lake in that interview. Then we're going to dive into our Elite Eight of our Vote for the Goat bracket. This week's voting has ended, and we are going to update you and let you know who is about to make the final four. That voting will happen this week, so make sure to stay locked on our Twitter at TCRE Sports. And then we'll go into the Hall of Fame. And our trifecta, and our trifecta today, I'll give you a little heads up. It is the best made-up game that you played as a kid. Something that you made up as a kid, and you, you just, you always played it. I have a few in mind that are really cool. So we'll make sure that we get to that towards the end of the episode, so stick around. But just to remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. While we're on the topic of our sponsors, let's go ahead and get the people fed here at the top of the episode. We had a great episode with Adam Troutman last week, the newest New Orleans Saints tight end from Elk Rapids. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and give a listen to that episode to find out what it took for him to get to the NFL from a small school like Elk Rapids. But we had an Elk Rapids football player. Like and share that on Twitter. Robert Fager, you are the one who was selected for two free Jimmy John subs this week, so congratulations. Keep a lookout in your DMs to get those vouchers from us. But without further ado, gentlemen, let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and dive into the pulse. James, I know you've been working hard on uh, some coaching changes this week. I want to start there. I know Bob South stepped down from Boyne City this year, and they were looking for a new coach. It didn't take them too long. They ended up bringing up their assistant, Coach Justin Perkins. You had a chance to speak with him last week. Uh, what, what led Boyne City to bring him on as the next head coach? Young guy. It's been with the program for two seasons. And when Coach South, ex- I guess, expressed an opinion or uh, expressed his uh desire to maybe step down this season, which is not 
exactly unexpected. You know, a lot of coaches uh, step down when their kid graduates so they can go watch them play in college and stuff. But apparently Justin was just like right there wanting, you know, hey, teach me everything. So he had like a whole year to learn everything from Coach South. And uh, Coach South said he just soaked up everything like a sponge. And, you know, he's pretty confident that uh, he knows what he needs to do to be a successful wrestling coach. I mean, probably make that transition a little bit smoother, being able to kind of take all that information in. And I'm sure there won't be many changes. Like you said, he's a, he's a, he's a new, fresh coach. This is his first head coaching position, correct? Yep. So I know it'll be a, a working process. It'll be a little bit of a... You know, trial and error with these wrestling guys, especially they are losing some good guys. I mean, we talked about AJ South, um, who's going down to Alma, set the records in uh, win, for for wins at Boyne City. I mean, they're losing good guys, but fresh faces always make a difference. I mean, Boyne City. I feel like Boyne City as a whole. I mean, when we had Pete Calcaterra, Max Vondra, and such in here. You know, I think we kind of had a realization that Boynton City as a whole has been on a, a very good upswing with almost all of their sports over the last couple of years. Uh, it seems yep. like their, their their talent level is rising, and I don't think wrestling is any different. The, the, the athletes that they have in that school right now will prepare the Ramblers well for the future. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach South took the same kind of route, too, where he was an assistant for two years before he took over as head coach at Boyne, and then uh, they won their first district in school history under him so so yeah so the wrestling program there is uh is on the average trajectory for sure he's only 21 oh okay so he's only 21 yeah, yeah. so he's a young guy i mean that, that what now let me ask you let me ask you this andrew 21 year old head coach how do you think that that melds with a wrestling team how do you think does that do you think that builds chemistry do you think that gives it a little bit more uh like energy in the wrestling room it's kind of funny you ask that because i know a lot of coaches in chicago circuit or the kansas circuit that are young head coaches or are young assistant coaches my friends who i wrestled with went on to coach right after they graduated high school they might have been community college and might have just volunteered in the wrestling room for a little bit. I, I think wrestling is unique in one of those in that essence because the sport's constantly evolving. There, people are always constantly learning of new things to do. It's not like, I mean, football is too, but it's not like basketball where there's this long history of one way to play the game and one way of it being right or baseball where you can kind of say, say the same thing. Wrestling is kind of unique because the way they teach the sport literally changes every single day. You need a a young face. You need a young voice to connect with kids and say, hey, this is how I learned it. This is how you're going to do. Do you think that that, that I'm starting to see a trend? I mean, last year, one of our big stories in our fall tab and everything was just the incredible amount of coaching turnover that we had, especially long tenured coaches, right? 20, 30 years. I mean, even Jerry Andrews, you know, 12 years, long tenured coaches. And it seems like they're being replaced with nice younger guys. Do you think that, a lot of these athletic directors are looking for another long-term option and are just trying to suck these guys in early, or do you think that this is kind of just a, a bit of a culture swing to bring a little bit more energy back into the to the sports sphere? I think one thing you see when you have that coach that's been there for 10, 15, 20 years is that they've probably developed one or two people under them that, you know, they've kind of seen as the person to take over for them, you know, like maybe, an, you know, a Nate Sneed, and in this case, Justin Perkins. So you kind of had that parallel with the coaches that have been there for a while, and then a much younger guy taking over for them rather than hiring up hiring somebody similar age. Yeah, and I mean with football there was a few uh, a few new younger coaches, some new faces that came in. Um, I know basketball obviously. I think basketball is probably our our youngest 
coaching base if you're looking at just like an average age. But I mean, Nate Sneed's only in his in his uh, late twenties too. We can transition over into that. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. that happened as well. Uh, well, actually, at the end of the week before, but then it all got kind of worked out last week. But Nate Sneed, who is going to be our guest today, is was announced as a new Glen Lake head football coach. Was assistant there, did a whole bunch of different stuff at that school, worked his way through the program after going there and playing there, and is now the head coach of the football team. I mean, I, I know I've talked to Nate Seed a bit. We're gonna we're gonna get it more into him, but what do you think about his ability as a coach? Made them tab him right away out of that program. He played college quarterback for uh, for four years in college. Never really be- became a starter at a quarterback that he wanted to, but he said that that position of being the backup quarterback really helped him see the game differently and he had to help prepare the starting quarterback like that was kind of part of his job at Hope College was to help prepare the starting quarterback every week you know and that I think translates right into coaching and getting getting these kids prepared to play every week and playing a different opponent every week and uh, I guess to go back a little bit to the thing you're talking about young coaches I think when you had a when you've had a coach that's been there for a while especially if that success that program was successful in that period of time you don't want to reinvent the wheel yeah you don't necessarily want to bring in an older coach who's kind of they're stuck, stuck, in, stuck in their ways. Yeah. You want somebody who will continue to take this program the way, you know, some, maybe somebody from inside keep who, the will trajectory. Keep, who will keep it going. Keep the trajectory on the same kind of like parallel line yeah. or at least with not too many deviations because – I mean, we've talked about this before, and just, I mean, even when it comes to professional sports, college sports, I mean, I could just p- use a parallel to, like, Mel Tucker at Michigan State, right? Uh, he's coming in this year. He's going to be a brand-new head coach. I mean, Mark D'Antonio was there for, you know, 12, 13 years. Everybody's been kind of, I mean, just like the Michigan State fan base itself has kind of just been stuck in this way of, like, pro-style football, like, pound, ground, and pound. Like, nobody knows what this is going to be like in the Big Ten when Mel Tucker brings this out, but I'm pretty sure the majority of the Michigan State fan base is sitting around, like, we could give him a year to kind of work out the kids. Like, I, if, if they go, you know, if they go six and seven this year or whatever, like, it's not going to be the end of the world in Mel Tucky's first year because it's, mm-hmm. there's, there, there, there wasn't that continuity, right? There wasn't that whole thing. I mean, nobody wanted them to promote with, within, which they didn't. But um, mm-hmm. in that case, you know, there isn't that continuity. So you look at the differences. They have to come in and bring a whole new system, you know, get their, get their quarterback. I mean, you look at what happened with Rich Rod and Jim Harbaugh and everything at Michigan. They, you know, for the first two years, all you ever heard was they're playing with Rich Rod's players, and it's Jim Harbaugh's system that doesn't work, you know. So it's good to keep that type of yeah. continuity over time and between coaches because if you don't, I mean, a senior quarterback learning a whole new offense, that's that's tough. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that Tucker kind of already has a different style than D'Antonio. Yeah. Which is good. I think, I oh, think it is. I think it's a good thing. I'm excited I mean, for it. D'Antonio was, you know, I'm going to live and die with these three-star recruits. I don't know if he just couldn't get four- and five-star recruits or he just didn't go after them. He didn't go he after didn't, a lot of them. And everything. But, I mean, Tucker's already getting, you know, some four-star four guys. It, you know, so, that, I mean, that's nice to see. That MHSA also made some changes uh, over the past week, especially with seating for some of these sports, James. I know that we've had a few different changes over the last basically 16 months with almost every sport in seating, but go ahead and explain what exactly they decided to do during their spring meetings. Well, they're going to, the, the seating system that they have, that they put in place for basketball and soccer, they're going to also put in place for hockey now. So you're going to have the, the number one and two seed in the opposite side. But, but then they're also tweaking the, seeding in that the number one and two seeds will get buys, um, which was one complaint that I did hear from a bunch of coaches. Oh yeah, this I mean, that was the biggest complaint when they when they did the soccer and everything was that you could be the best team but still have to play a first round game mm-hmm. against a really crappy team. Yeah, or maybe the third best yeah. team in the in the, in the district. And I look because it's all just random. And I looked at some of these for hockey; they were mercying them and 
first two rounds. You know? I, I mean, some of the ones in hockey. I mean, even, I think Gaylor got mercyed in the regional final, or, or no, the quarterfinal wasn't it? Yeah, because they won the regional final. They got mercyed eleven to one in the quarterfinal. So there is a there's a big gap there. Um, and that seating isn't going to change very much when you get down when you get down to that regional level because that means everybody will be past that point. But I mean, overall, we we talked about this last year. This is good for competition. During the regular season and the postseason, I mean, it gives kids something to work for even more during the regular season, especially when it comes to basketball or hockey, because there's mm-hmm. been times, especially with a lot of these people where they, or a lot of these teams where they get, you know, pigeonholed into a slot, and it's just like we're working this whole season to go up against these guys, but you don't know, you know, so it it gives you a little bit more fun, a little bit more flair, a little bit more fire inside uh, to try and get that one or that two seed, so you get that buy now, you actually get an extra day of rest. Yeah, and I, and I like it from our perspective, I guess too in that it makes those Monday games of districts are going to be the other games. So some of those teams that aren't the number one and two seed in the district can get some attention. They can have the spotlight that night, and, and you can have some pretty good games there when you get the, you know, if you get the three, four matchup kind of in the first round. Which sport do you think benefits the most from this new uh, seeding protocol? I would say hockey, because hockey is the one sport where, you know, one bad bounce can cost you a game. So I think that's maybe, you know, if if you get caught in a bad seed, you know, and you're the number one seed and you get the th- number three seed in that dist- in a tough district on the opening night, you could lose that game. Mm-hmm. In basketball, probably not going to happen. Most likely. For, for the most part, you know. That, that, kind of that first round game. I, mean, I guess kind of the same way with soccer, you know. Um, in soccer, though, it, there tends to be a, a kind of a talent gap. A, a gap usually in, in districts. Um, but in hockey, I think, you know, that's that, that's that sport where a bounce here or there. Yeah, your goalie's on, and the other team. Yeah, yeah, your goalie's on, and the other team just can't get one by him. I mean, yep. how it goes? Yeah, so MHSA made those changes, and uh, I know we're excited about them. We were excited about them implementing the seating for this past year. We got to see it a little bit during basketball season. Um, obviously, didn't see how that played out all the way to the end of the year to see if it really like gave the best teams at the end. You know, one of those deals that we kind of talked about, like they wouldn't have a chance mm-hmm. to kind of get knocked out by a lowly district team or just all on a whim on a last second three pointer. I know there was, ah oh, man, I can't remember now. I think it was it was it was a team in the UP. They were twenty and zero. And they lost on a buzzer beater in the first round districts to like a nine and eleven team or something like that. Just like that can happen, man. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still excited. Like you said, in hockey, I think it's going to bring a little bit better, uh, a little bit better chances um, for those top seeds to kind of get themselves rolling in the playoffs. Yeah, and there was a whole bunch of other changes too. One of the interesting ones that got a little bit of chatter I saw on Twitter was the the one allowing uh, uh, football players and basketball players to play five quarters. Yeah. They can play JV so you and can, varsity. So you can play as well. part of the JV game and then play part of the varsity game. So for small schools, that's going to help out a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to have a kid, you know, who's maybe one of your good JV players. And that's players. across all sports. It's five quarters or five periods or whatever it is. Like they they, they extended that across sports. The only thing they didn't change. Did they do anything with pitch count or anything like that? I don't think. No, they didn't. I don't. I don't believe they. Not this time around. They didn't address that at all. Um, I don't assume that would go they, up anyways. One of the interesting things I thought was the change they made to skiing. They made the change for the regionals in skiing, where if you qualify in one or the other discipline, you go to states in both. Oh. So if you fall in one, you're not necessarily out. You can still qualify in the other one and then get in in both. You know, say you're the one of the best skiers in the state and you just uh, yeah. slip in regionals, and there doesn't go your state title necessarily. Mm-hmm. Well, I just yeah, I think because I know I know there are some skiers who have missed literally state finals just because of a bad run in regionals. 
Like, who literally win all year round and then have a bad run at regionals. And it's just like, welp, you're SOL. You know, like, it's just how competition works. And, I mean, I, I once again, I agree with that. You got to be you got to be perfect. You know, you got to be the best if you want to win a state title. But, man, I've been I've been skiing and snowboarding a little bit more over the past year. And I have a lot of trust. I got a little bit of sympathy for people going that fast and not falling. So, uh, if they fall, we can give them a second chance. Yeah. I mean, some of the other changes that they made were, you know, some things with, you know, COVID-related, you know, waiving the dead period in the summer this year, or schools can optionally waive the dead period. So um, if, if things are back in the summer, that you'll be able to use that week. Because, Actually practice. Because there's essentially been a week or a month and a half of dead period already. <laughs> so, and uh, one of the things that's buried way at the bottom of that press release that I thought was interesting is that uh, it says that uh, coaches and athletes that are ejected from competition are now required to complete an online sportsmanship course mm. oh, wow. before returning to competition. It's like traffic school. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I don't mind it. Maybe they should make some parents take that thing too. <laughs> Put parents into that, uh, wrap that in. If you get kicked out of a game, you need to take a sportsmanship quiz, I would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen plenty of parents get kicked out of games. And sometimes they're the worst. Need to learn some sportsmanship. I know it's been 30, 40 years since they've been on the field of athletic field of competition, but mm-hmm. a little reminder never hurt anybody. So you get kicked out of that game, you got to go to class. Has any of you gotten a speeding ticket and make, they made you take like a, cla- a driving school class mm-hmm. that you had to pay for? Yeah, so you don't get any points on your license? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that yeah. happened when uh, I got in my car accident in the snow. They're like, yeah, you need to take this and you won't get any points. I'm like, well, I'd rather not have my insurance go up, so let's take and this class. And you had class. to pay for the class. Yeah, but what, let's talk about football a little bit. Uh, we, we are going to have our interview with uh, Coach Sneed here in just a little while, but while we're still here in the Pulse, I've had some lingering thoughts over the last week. I've had some people ask me these questions because, you know, they're asking me about work. Like, hey, when do you think this or that or that? And I've had some people ask me, do you think that fall sports will start on time or even happen? And, of course, I know we, ha- we kind of had this conversation a few weeks ago when we did this whole coronavirus thing and we all got started, but – picture's a little bit clearer now as to, you know, how or serious, you know what I'm saying, or, or what everybody's taking this. I mean, I'll, I'll go last on this. I want to ask you guys, like, do we see fall sports happening as planned this fall? Like, starting when they're supposed to start as planned this fall with no really interruptions. In Michigan or the nation? In Michigan. I'm, I'm not worried about the nation. I'm worried about here. It's hard to say. Because I know the governor was asked this uh, during a press conference last week. Do you see um, students going back to school in the fall? And as we saw with at least spring sport cancellations, well, if schools are closed and the facilities are closed, we can't have spring sports. I think in some capacity, you'll be able to play individualized sports in, in, in the fall without a problem. The UFC did, two for, did uh, UFC 249 this weekend, I think. Only so are you saying that like like yeah. try like like tri- or cross country and like because like I mean that that isn't social distancing in cross country like even though it's an individual sport like you got groups of people running next to each other and such you know mm-hmm. I mean like are you talking like tennis singles tennis will, you know, will come back you, like, you do bring up a good point like it wouldn't be out of the question for me to bring golf which typically happens in the spring. Or well, track. Like it, it, help, it happens both. It just depends girls or boys. Yeah. It's just a flop it, seasons. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be out of the question for me that or track that typically happens in the spring to maybe bring that to the fall because why not? But, 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 but do, so you don't think that normal fall sports will go off without a hitch? Football, 
it's too soccer, e- it's too like, early for me to make that I, to make that uh, what, I judgment. Mean, what, what's your what's your feeling? I mean that that's why I want to I, I want to discuss this right now. Like I know it's too early to make the judgment, but it's been lingering in my head that you know I've told some people, hey, I might not be back on the sidelines till September first, and then I've had people look at me and be like, man, it might be longer than that. And that's really what I'm looking at is like, do we think that this is gonna actually postpone or mess with like the fall season? I think that we will unless there's a second wave, like some like they're saying, you know, it that could happen. Mm-hmm. There's a second wave of coronavirus that comes in the in the fall. Um, the one thing that kind of made me feel better about that was when the uh, the Michigan Open got pushed back and they actually set a date. Yes, they did for late August, and I'm like, well. If the Michigan PGA looked into this and felt comfortable enough with doing that, I mean, yes, it's golf, so you yeah. can kind of social distance a little bit more. But it's still a thing with hundreds of golfers there, and you know, Banker hundreds, hundreds of more, uh, you know, of support staff, spectators, everything. yeah, spectators, family, caddies, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. there. So that made me feel a little bit better. I know athletic directors in the area that I've talked to are kind of, they're like, I don't know, yeah, I, I, you know, we're we're, we're they're starting to, I think, kind of look at what maybe they have to do if football season gets pushed back two weeks or something. You cut your non-conference games and play. But still, I mean, I know it's not that simple. I, I know it's not that simple, but, like, I don't know. I Personally, I'm starting to get worried that it won't. But on the trend that I've seen, I, I feel like I would it would be very surprising if the American people weren't, like, freaking out by that point if we weren't able to have sports. Because now I'm just seeing people are – People are already like just pushing the envelope to where we are now, mm-hmm. and as like you said, as long as as long as this like doesn't have a second like huge wave or a second huge outbreak, I can see them at least starting sports on time and then mm-hmm. maybe making that mistake and having them have to shut it all down again. Because yeah. uh, I feel like I feel like the MHSA, I feel like schools, I feel like students. You know, what I'm saying there isn't going to be a single person who wants this to happen for like two consecutive, you know, seasons. For spring and fall, like, I mean, yeah. obviously, but I just feel like the at this point, everybody's already lost so much. The lengths that they're going to go to to make sure this happens is going to be, like, astronomical. And it, they will push. I feel like everybody will push it to, like, the absolute restrictive limit once think, we get there. I think that's part of the reason they canceled spring sports. And same thing with the NCAA is to make sure the fall happens, to focus their efforts in on that. That's a positive. That, that's a positive thought. Fall and fall is more money generating. Yeah, with football, than, just in general. Than, than spring sports in general. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other sports, aside from football, you know, you could push those back a couple of weeks without really a big problem. Not very much, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you'd be playing a lot golf yeah. and soccer at the end of the year seasons in a little colder weather, which probably people don't want. But you know what? To do it, they'll do it. But football has got a fixed endpoint in the availability of Ford Field. Yeah. So if they have to start the week season two weeks late, you're talking either just getting rid of regular season games or maybe cutting around off the playoffs and not as many teams get in. Yeah, see and that that's so many there's so many like what ifs and if so's. Like if this happens then this mm-hmm. should happen or whatever. But I think we all just literally need to, like, temper our expectations and keep our nose to the grindstone. And that goes for us as, you know, sports journalists. goes for student athletes, coaches. I mean, we all have to act at this point like 
the season should start on time. Yeah. You know, and that's three and a half months away. The the first high school football games are three and a half months away. Which which is, so a lot can change. A lot can change. A lot in that time. can change in that time, and we're what? We're basically eight weeks into this. So, well, a couple weeks out of like halfway to football season from when this started. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the MHSA decides, what athletic directors decide. I mean, what even school boards decide on um, how they're going to work this into the future. We're going to hopefully have some of those officials on uh, this podcast as these details get worked out. Maybe somebody from the MHSA or a couple school officials just to kind of see what's in their head and how they're going to, you know, make this work for the kids in our area. Uh, but until then, let's go ahead and bring in our interview for today. The new Glen Lake football coach, Nate Sneed, joined us via telephone on Monday to chat about his new opportunity at Glen Lake. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is extremely excited to welcome in the newest Glen Lake head football coach, Nate Sneed. Thank you so much for taking the time out on this beautiful Monday to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I know it's been a whirlwind of a couple weeks for you, but it's something I'm sure you've been working for for a while. Just last week, they announced that you're going to be the new head football coach at Glen Lake, taking over for Jerry Angers over there. Um, I know you've been a part of the staff there for a few years now. You've been part of this program for almost your entire life. Um, can you just tell us why uh, this was the job that you wanted? Glen Lake's a special place. Glen Lake football is, is a unique program in itself. You know, it's all about the people that make this place so special. And coming out of college, I uh, was able to land a job uh, at Glen Lake close to home. It's really just been a, a dream come true. I love the people that I get to work with every single day. I love the kids and the families that I get to make a positive impact with. It's just, uh, you know, I, I'm really grateful for that. Not a lot of people get to say they, they, they land their dream job at an age that uh, I'm at right now, but it's just a, a, a cool, surreal experience. It hasn't really settled in uh, quite yet. It won't be uh, really real for me until I get to you know, be with the kids face-to-face, working out in the weight room with them, uh, getting that first day of practice going. So right now it's all just, yeah, I'm just very thankful for everything that's happened so far. I'm ready to get to work. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're 28 years old. I think you probably got to be the youngest head coach in our coverage area for football, I think. Just how, how cool is it to be able to do something this soon? You know, obviously this was a goal of yours, but did you ever see it coming true this quickly? I don't know. I've always kind of had the mindset that you just keep your head down, you keep working and things work out. So when this opportunity came about, I knew if I just, you know, stuck to my, uh, stuck to what I know and did things the right way and just working as hard as you possibly can, as possible, as hard as I possibly can, you know, things work out the way they should work out. And uh, I wasn't really focused on becoming a head coach at a certain age per se. I uh, just focus on the things that I can control, and yeah, things work out. Everything happens for a reason. So, I mean, you were kind of like born and bred in this program. You played football over there. Uh, how much did that tradition kind of play into why you why you're back at Glen Lake? Why you did, once you got that job? Why you've been there for several years now, and obviously looking like you plan on staying there for the future? You know, it's uh, it's home. So it's something that I'm comfortable with, uh, something that I know and I love and I appreciate. 
and I can relate to the kids. You know, I'm a Leonock County kid at heart, just like they are going uh, going about their day-to-day lives. Uh, I want to provide lessons and challenge these kids and make this community and this county and the school better. You know, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part and kind of paint it forward like so many people that I grew up with. You know, they, they did a lot for me and they, um, they sacrificed a lot to help my interests and help my progression as a man. And I want to do the same for a place that's really near and dear to my heart. And this may be kind of related to that, what you just talked about, but what are some of the things that you take away from playing under uh, Bill Hollenbeck and, and Jerry Andrews? Well, you know, the thing that both Coach Hollenbeck and Coach Andrews have in common is, is they got into this profession for the right reasons. Uh, you know, they want to make a, a lasting impression on the younger generations and they get to do it on a plat or in a platform that they really appreciate, and that's football. Football's you know a, a game of many lessons. You can learn a lot from it, and you know they just right from the beginning, right when the very first day I met both of them, you could just tell that they really cared about their kids and they really cared about their players. Yeah, they loved football. Yeah, they loved all the extra work that goes into it and all the sacrifices you have to make. But at the end of the day they both could look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm in it for the kids. I'm in it to help the kids and their families and provide them with meaningful memories that will last a lifetime for them. And so that's one, that's probably the biggest takeaway that I got from playing under both of them um, was they're in it for the right reasons. They're not in it for, you know, getting pats on the back or uh, Hall of Fame recognition that that they already have and Jerry will soon be there, but they did it for the right reasons, and that really that really shows with everything they said uh, and did uh, with me as their quarterback back in the day. How do you how do you plan to keep that that continuity going between what you experienced as a student athlete, what you've experienced as assistant coach, and what you plan to provide as a head coach? Yeah, it's it's cool for me. You know, these seniors uh, they were eighth graders my very first year here at Glen Lake, and so we have we've got a good relationship. We know what to expect from one another. We know. Uh, you know, that we're going to challenge each other uh, in a positive way. We're going to make each other better. And we've been able to do that for the last four years. And then at the end of the day, we care about each other. And we care about each other as people. Our, uh, you know, their success is, is my success and my success is their success. We're all kind of in this together. And we're all on the same page. Uh, the fact that we, we're going to have to do some things extra, you know, to serve other people other than ourselves. And uh, they know that's what I'm about. They all come from really good, hardworking families that have that as sort of a foundation and a staple. And it's just a, a level of mutual respect that we have for one another, uh, that we're going to do everything that we can to make sure we're helping one another out. So. Now, we kind of talked about this earlier in our podcast, but I wanted to ask you, I mean, with you only being 28 years old, um, it's a much smaller age gap between, you know, your athletes and the head coach now than it would have been, say, with Jerry or with a lot of other, um, you know, teams in the area. Uh, what do you think that does for your ability to, you know, kind of connect with the kids, especially that you've been part of the team over the last several years? Yeah, I mean, being able to relate to the kids uh, is huge. You know, you're able, you're able to, you know, and having a having an education background that I have allows me to one relate to the kids and be able to then instruct fundamentals or instruct schemes and teach them things that we want to do from an X's and O's standpoint. I understand their distractions, you know, more than say someone that hadn't hasn't grown up in the in the social media a uh, kind of age. 
Um, so, you know, I, I can use my own strategies. You know, I put my, I shoot, I put my phone uh, hidden away in a separate room when I really have to buckle down and get to work. And just having some of those techniques and strategies that I can talk to them, uh, you know, just get on the same level as, as them and be able to provide them, you know, instructions uh, that I think are useful and that they can use going forward uh, at the age that they're at right now. I know it's a tough point to kind of put this on because, once again, I know you said you haven't even got a chance to be in the weight room with your guys, but you've spent plenty of time with the dudes in the locker room that you will be uh, yeah. will be in the fall. I mean, what are your expectations of the team uh, up, uh, upcoming this year as the new head coach? What do you plan to talk to them about and tell them this is what you want from them? I mean, these guys, and it's not just these guys, the players and the coaches that you know laid this groundwork before us, we, we have high expectations. And, you know, that the highest expectation that we have is going one and zero every week and going one and zero in the weight room every day uh, when we're when we're able to get back there and going one and zero for every single practice that we have. And so the games and, you know, the regular season, that, that stuff's that's secondary. You know, we got to take care of ourselves and win each sing, each and every single day that we have in front of us because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we can't control what's going to happen third week of August or, or whenever we're able to get back. I, I have no idea. So I think uh, those are the expectations that we have, that I have, that our team has, that our staff has, that our school has. We're going to take care of things one thing at a time. During your hurdles to your spring and summer workout schedules, you know, this is probably the time that you probably would have had kids come in before or after school to right. get stuff done. Yeah. And right now, you know, most of our most of our players, you know, they're spring, uh, they're multi-sport athletes. That's something we really encourage. You know, all all kids, all student athletes, we want them to play as many different sports as possible. So right now, they'd be in the midst of their spring seasons. In regards to the summer schedule, you know, I think a lot of places, a lot of programs, whether it's college level programs or even high school level programs. You know, they're just making a couple different plans, and you kind of have to do that. You got to have a couple different plans uh, in place and communicate those plans uh, to everyone that's involved, and and let them know, hey, if we're able to come back second week of June, here's what we're going to do. If we're not going to be able to meet until August first, here's what we're going to do. If we're able to get back earlier than that, here's what we're going to do. And it's hard right now because, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So we can't settle in on, on one specific plan and say, here's what we're going to do going forward. But I just think, you know, you, you got to be flexible. And it's just a good opportunity for, you know, us as teachers and as coaches to model. You know, we ask kids and we ask students to be flexible and be able to think on their feet. And it's just a really great opportunity for us as adults to demonstrate that for the kids, right? You know, I don't, I don't know what we're, I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen in, in four weeks. All right. But I'm going to prepare as best I can every single day to make sure when that day comes that I'm prepared to hit the ground running, that that's a lifelong skill yeah. that we're asking you to do as kids. See, look, we're doing it right now as adults. We're all kind of doing it as adults, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Now, uh, I know we talked about continuity from, you being in the program, obviously, you know the tradition of Glen Lake. You've seen the play style, all that type of stuff. But, I mean, there has to be something over the last 28 years of you being part of the program that you've always wanted to kind of, like, implement or have your say in. What do you think is going to be one of the bigger changes that you make as the, as the head coach at Glen Lake? The, the thing that I envision uh, in regards to a change 
you know, I've been in the locker room and I've heard as a player, uh, you know, I've heard Coach Andrews' pregame speeches and I've heard his postgame speeches. And you know, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to address my team. I love being the center of a room and be able to, you know, give a message out to a number of people. You know, I have a teaching background. I, I have my, I'm a teacher at heart and I'm just excited for uh, the opportunity to, to change their lives and have them listen to a, not a new voice per se, but just a, you know, a new message. Is the, uh, is the rest of the coaching staff going to pretty much stay kind of the same or are you be able to bring a lot of uh, Jerry's coaches back or how's that going? For the most part, we're gonna you know, we're gonna keep things as consistent as uh, has been the last couple of years. I've had talks with a number of staff members that have been on board the last couple of years. Nothing's been official, but for the most part, we're gonna we're gonna keep things consistent for these kids. You know, we're gonna have people in the program that understand what the expectations are, and they're able to put in the work. Right. Uh, I just got one last question. Uh, you were you were talking about. Uh... You know, making moments for the kids, making memories. Um, when you look back to your high school days, you were a three-year starter at Glen Lake at quarterback. What are some of the, the stories that uh, stick out to you? The most memorable moment that I ever had wearing a Glen Lake jersey, it wasn't a game. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a win or a, a play per se. Um, I remember it was my, it was Coach Andrews' very first year, and I was a senior and my buddy and I, you know, we, you know, we were, we were having a conversation and he was trying to instruct something and he turned and he glared at me and he said, Nate Sneed, if you ever think you will ever be able to play college football doing that, you are dead wrong. And that right there, you know, he challenged me, uh, but I knew that he was doing it out of love and he was doing it to make me a better person. And I saw how much he loved the program and how hard he worked to make the program what it is today. And that really stuck with me uh, and still stuck with me to this day. You know, sometimes you got to get some tough love from people in order to improve. Uh, sometimes you have to give that tough love to people in order for them to elevate themselves. Uh, he did that for me. He, he's done that for a number of, of people that have been associated with the program, uh, not just players, but people outside of the program and the community and the school as a whole. And so, you know, that's the that's my biggest memory. And I want to provide that memory along with uh, more memories for the kids. All right. Well, Nate, we appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your day. And obviously what's going to be an even busier schedule coming up over the summer uh, we wish you the best of luck with, uh, you know, the Lakers in your first season, and we're hoping that everything gets back to normal so you guys can be in the weight room sooner rather than later. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, for having me. Hope everything is well with you and your guys' family. Thanks for having me on, and go Lakers. Of course, Nate. Have a good one. Right. Thanks a lot. All right, see ya. Another huge thank you to Nate Sneed for joining us here at the Get Around. Excited to see what Glen Lake has to do in the fall, you know, as we spoke earlier. Assuming that this first season will go with off without a hitch, uh, but maybe Coach Sneed can get them back to Ford Field and uh, keep that legacy that Jerry Andrews built alive. Let's go ahead and dive into our bracket update. 
sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. We are through the Sweet 16, gentlemen. We are whittling it down. And it's getting it's getting pretty close. There's a couple upsets in here that I am really, really, really surprised about. We're going to go through them. And, and we near, have to near upsets. Yeah. I was... I, I, we got to talk about this one because now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. And I'm getting a little confused with our voters. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Way to call them out like that. I, I, I only get one vote in this poll, so like I can't. I, there's no sway for me. I'm sitting here, and I mean, let's let's go through this, guys. We knew this was gonna happen. This is our first matchup every time. Uh, Michael Jordan taking on Barry Sanders. I actually thought that would be closer. Uh, closer, but the, like, I think the documentary helped a lot. Oh yeah, helped Def- a lot. Definitely, definitely did. But when I does just, Barry I thought Sanders them... get his own documentary? I I would love to see all the footage of Barry Sanders in a documentary. Just an hour of slow mo. <laughs> we would just with some music over it and no talking. <laughs> that's that's all it's got to be. I wouldn't mind it. Seriously, just be amazed by his footwork, how quick and sly yeah. that guy was. But Michael Jordan defeated Barry Sanders 79.6 to 20.4. Like you said, thought it might be a bit closer, but we've been kind of thinking Michael Jordan is, you know, that shoe in for the final four. Go- coming up to face him, it was Deion Sanders versus Wayne Gretzky. And we talked about this hockey bias up here last week, boys. But Wayne Gretzky is a great one. I mean, Deion Sanders, prime time, might be one of the best athletes ever to set foot on a football field. But he's but, the great one. But this is the great one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, 67. Deion Sanders, 33. Not a big surprise. It, not, I mean, had Deion Sanders made it an upset, I might have been, you know, slightly surprised. So that Elite Eight matchup will be Michael Jordan versus Wayne Gretzky. That's going to be a matchup. Jordan. Especially, no, especially once, with what we have up here. I mean. I'm just going back, looking at trends, man. Last couple of weeks, Jordan's just winning by a landslide because uh, of this documentary. Wayne Gretzky. I think Wayne Gretzky. This is. I think this is Jordan's best shot to get taken out of the bracket before he reaches the championship. Is going up against Wayne Gretzky, especially in Northern Michigan. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Gretzky gets a little bit of a bump in the, in this area from the, you know how how hockey crazy it is. So yeah. So I. Uh, that, that could be an interesting matchup. I'm gonna implore all of you hockey people to vote for Wayne Gretzky and make sure you share this because I would just. I mean, it's not that I have anything against Michael Jordan, but I would definitely like to just like see that upset. I mean, Wayne Gretzky is just unreal. All right, so <laughs> in the south or the lower bracket of that side of our left-hand side of our bracket, this was a close one. And this is one of the ones that I thought would be close, but I did not know that he would come out to have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar beat Peyton Manning 55-45. to 45. I mean, Peyton Manning, once again, I don't think he's like a fantastic athlete by any means. He looks like seriously like the gumpiest dude of all time. But like his, like, his records, his accuracy, you just cannot deny how good that man uh, was at a quarterback. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar... I mean, we know the we know Sky the stories. Hook. Yeah, we know the stories. We've seen that. We've seen the footage. The most unstoppable shot in basketball history. I don't think anybody else even had a, like a shot like that really until he started playing with it, right? Pretty much. I like Doctor J had had it, it but that it, was later it, on. He he mastered it. Yeah. If anybody else did it before him, they hadn't mastered it. Kareem, <laughs> Kareem mastered it. You think about just like that's like his arm at like eleven feet, just like throwing the ball up and over into the hoop on the other side of his body. You can't block it. No. I mean, that's an unstoppable shot. That's like a Kobe fadeaway. Yeah, it's just a matter of whether you make it or not. Yeah. But can Tiger Woods? Oh yeah, this is this is the one. This is the one that I was thoroughly surprised about. Thoroughly, hundred percent. Tom Brady beats Tiger Woods fifty-six to forty-four. While it was close, man. I never thought Tom Brady would take out Tiger Woods in a greatest athlete of all time vote. Michigan bias? Probably a little bit of Michigan bias. Maybe. The Brady played at Michigan, but. Maybe? But, yeah. I mean, is that how you guys voted? Who did you guys vote for in this one? I voted for Tiger Woods. So Tiger. did I. Who did you vote? Tiger. You, Tiger? 
Yeah, we all voted for Tiger. But that's, that, that's just kind of surprising. Because, once again, I mean, I guess Tom Brady has TB12, and it wants, recency definitely has probably helped him out. But Tiger Woods, you know, came back and did his dang thing, won that Masters. Like, what a story. I remember back, I think ESPN was, like, the first one to ever do a bracket like this. They did it on SportsCenter. Where, like, you, you, like, voted via, like, text or something like that. This was way back in, like, 2008, 2009. It was when I was, like... I think like, they called the most dominant. Or uh, something like that. Because it's one of the rain delay. But they, uh... I remember, I remember they used, like, the T.I., like, um... One of the T.I. songs is, like, the lead-in. But anyways, Tiger Woods won that back in, like, 2008. But that was in the middle of his completely destructive run in golf. I still think mm-hmm. that Tiger Woods is way up there. But then again, he's a bit older. I mean, Tom Brady's old too, though. They're both in their forties. Yeah, and that'll be uh, that. That Kareem Brady matchup will be pretty good. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be Tom Brady versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I looked at like the history of Kareem though. He's beat Apollo Ono, Pete Rose, Peyton Manning, and now Tom, he has to beat Tom Brady to get to the final four. Yeah. I mean, that's some big names, but I think Kareem I think he, had a I bit of an easier route. Yeah, but I think he's got a solid shot against Brady. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, what? But what would Tom Brady taking out Tiger Woods? I don't know. I mean, whatever people have that argument of who's the greatest basketball player of all time, it usually comes down now between Jordan and LeBron. Yeah, but for years. But but I th- I still think that Kareem and Wilt, you know, and a lot of people would say Kobe deserve to be in that conversation just yeah. as much and everything. Uh, you know, so. Well, I would have liked to have seen a Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning Elite Eight matchup because that was a that was a conversation for a very long time uh, before Peyton retired. Just those two going head to head against each other. Uh, but nonetheless, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Tom Brady. I'm probably voting for Kareem, personally. Uh, yeah. yeah, most most likely. Don't want to influence our voters, but uh, go ahead and make sure you get on our Twitter at TCRE Sports. So that's our second Elite Eight matchup. And here is our the right side of our bracket. This was not surprising, but in the landslide that it was, was a bit surprising. Yeah. Kobe Bryant versus Floyd Mayweather. KO'd him. Literally, Kobe Bryant. We <laughs> talked about we wanted to see this fight at 6-0. Floored him. 83% to 17% in Kobe Bryant's favor. I think maybe us talking about Floyd being five foot three and like one hundred and twenty six pounds against six foot seven Kobe <laughs> Bryant in a in a, in a boxing ring might have influenced a little bit, but that was a uh, that was that that would have been a fun fight to see, and I think that's exactly how it would have happened. Kobe would have won like eight out of ten rounds, even though Floyd's that fast. I mean, what are you gonna do? What mm-hmm. are you gonna do? But Floyd Mayweather out of here, the undefeated champ, out of here for Kobe Bryant. And I actually think that was our biggest landslide of the week. Even Barry Sanders took more from Michael Jordan. So yeah. Kobe Bryant was our strongest, uh, our strongest competitor, our top-scoring competitor in the Elite Eight. Going up against Kobe in the Elite Eight is going to be Magic Johnson, who beat out Babe Ruth. I'm kind of surprised because I now it's I like wish like a 60-40 vote. I still wish that Simone Biles would have beat Babe Ruth because then I think this would have been a, another really good matchup. But yeah, 60 to 40, so a pretty close vote. Uh, nonetheless, but Magic Johnson, maybe maybe Michigan bias, recency bias, all that type of thing. But it's going to be Magic Johnson versus Kobe Bryant. That's a heck of an Elite Eight matchup. Who's, uh, who do you take out of that? I mean, like, who do you want on your team if you had to choose one of those two players? Imagine if uh, if Brett's voting in this. Oh, yeah. The, the Lakers lover that he is. Yeah, that would Having be to choose between two of his Lakers. Oh, man. Now, I mean, personally, I mean, who do you guys pick? Magic Johnson. That's a tough choice. I'm taking Kobe. That, that is, it is tough because there's – they're two different styles. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's not like you, you can compare Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan because they're kind of similar. Yeah. yeah. Sa- same kind of slashing, you know, guard or whatever. But Magic was a, you know, a six foot nine point guard that had, that just had never, ever happened before in the NBA. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even record assists when he played. They basically started the assists because of Magic Johnson. I'm taking Kobe. 
But I'm just a Kobe lover. Even though Magic's my my Sparty man, like, can't do it. Kobe's my dude. All right. Got our last bracket. And this is going to be a heck of an Elite Eight, guys. Like, I keep looking basket- at it. Yeah, we can have an all-basketball Final Four. We could. No, we couldn't. I mean, if if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wins, yeah. we could. And then Michael. And then there's, there is a basketball player in the Final Four no matter what. But our last matchup in the Elite Eight, first of all, Bo Jackson beat Jack Nicholas in our highest highly, highest contested poll. We had the most votes on this one. Bo Jackson beat him 71-28. to 28. I was a little surprised that that wasn't the largest landslide, just comparing Bo Jackson to, you know, old man Jack Nicholas. But... Hey, Bo Jackson moves on to the Elite Eight to face none other than LeBron James. Schmears Norble. LeBron James. Who? You don't know what Schmears Norble is? No. It's another Vine reference. Yep. But anyways, it's it's Schmears Norble is uh, LeBron James smelled spelled backwards. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, Schmears, Schmears Norble. LeBron James, this was a close one. 52.8. To 47.2. This was our closest vote of the week. LeBron James did not beat Muhammad Ali in a landslide, which nobody can beat Muhammad Ali in a landslide, right? He's sweetness. Yeah, but I didn't think it would be that close. Neither did I. I mean, that for LeBron James, that, that was close. I mean, Muhammad Ali, everybody knows the legend of Muhammad Ali. But 52-48 against LeBron James? LeBron might be scared against Bo Jackson in this next round. I think LeBron wins it. But I think yeah. this is one of the arguments that people finally need to get settled. Like, is LeBron James better than Bo Jackson like is the athlete wise like actually I mean I still to this day like I think that LeBron is like God's perfect physical specimen (laughs) like he's like six foot seven 260 pounds has like a 50 inch vertical I mean this dude is faster could jump higher like I know I've said this 20 times like if the Spartan army of 300 was 300 LeBrons they would have beaten (laughs) the entire army that Xerxes brought like you couldn't like that is insane but Bo Jackson once again oh my god what an athlete! Did you like, see the Bo Jackson in college? Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson did track and field, baseball, football. He threw, he threw and ran in track and field in college. He set like a bunch of Pac-12 records. Like, oh my <laughs> god, dude! Like, what can you can't you do? I think LeBron takes it just because he's he's LeBron James. But this is a good matchup. So we'll run back through them really quick. We have LeBron James versus Bo Jackson, <clears throat> Magic Johnson versus Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Michael Jordan versus Wayne Gretzky. Make sure you stay locked on our Twitter at TCRE Sports. Those will be posted this week and running until next Monday as they have over the last couple of weeks. Make sure you vote, retweet those, share them with your friends so we can make sure we decide who the greatest athlete of all time is here at the Get Around. That segment is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freaky Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the Hall of Fame. We are going to put in some of our spring athletes. It is May. Spring sports season is underway. And while there is no competition, we know that there are plenty of worthy athletes in our area who do deserve to be put into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. I mean, we have a lot of, new, we have a lot of sports that are supposed to be in season. I know we're talking about doing some fantasy drafts and everything, but let's start here. Let's bring some of these kids who aren't going to get that recognition uh, this spring into the into the club, and we can go ahead and get started off. My nomination, or the person who I am putting in this week, will be Darcy Danzer. 
I did a recruit story on her this past week, but it just really impressed me. Softball player, she's going to Alma this fall. Great outfielder. She uh, obviously very disappointed that she ain't going to have her senior season over there at Traverse City West. But, uh, you know, after talking to Dave Kenny, big game player. She's a home run hitter. She's hit walk-off home runs against Central. But biggest thing is graduating with a 3.92 GPA after taking four advanced placement classes at Traverse City West, all while being a fantastic student athlete. So, uh, definitely deserving, and her softball season was taken away. So, welcome to the club, Darcy. I'm going to go with Drew Koenig from Gillard St. Mary. If I could pick one team, you get a tournament with four of the best baseball teams in the state. You make them go at it for a weekend tournament for the state title. I would throw Gillard St. Mary in there, and a lot of it was because of Koenig, in my opinion. Just one of the seasons that got cut away because of COVID-19, and I would have loved to see it happen. There's so many stories like that across the nation. But Gaylord St. Mary sticks out to me for the region, for sure. Yeah, so we'll go with soccer. Uh, we'll go with uh, Jalen Dabafalski. She's just been dominant for her first three seasons here. Um, it, it, would be, it would be crazy if she was able to play one more season to see how much how much more she could pile on to yeah. the, the record-breaking first three seasons that she's had at TC West. Man, that is just such a shame that, like, yeah, like, especially, like, I, mean, we, I think you talked about, like, Olivia Fee being last week. She had records at Traverse City. There's, like, there's so many, there's so many, especially there's been a lot of really good girls who have been on four-year mm-hmm. varsity athletes who are going to be playing this year who aren't going to be able to kind of push those records into into the territory yeah, that they actually Walters. belong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those home runs, I, it, that just, that, that stinks really bad. But congratulations to all three of our newest inductees into the Get Around Hall of Fame. You definitely deserve it, although you will not be on the athletic field of play this spring. We will continue to bring you more inductees from our spring athletes over the next few weeks. If you have anybody who you think deserves a chance to be in the Get Around Hall of Fame who won't be playing this spring, please hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let us know. Uh, who we are missing out on. There's obviously a lot of athletes who are going to be kind of lost in transition here in between senior years. So we want to make sure we give everybody the recognition they deserve. But without any further ado, we are reaching the end of our show, which means we are getting into our trifecta, everybody's favorite segment of the day, where I ask the guys, what was the best made-up game that you played in your childhood? With your siblings, with your friends, out of the park, what was your favorite made-up game? I have a good one, and I don't know if it's quite made up, but there was there there was two good ones that me and my me and my best friend Brandon from uh, you know the block I grew up on used to play all the time. We used to play a game called Drop Three, which was just baseball, where there'd be like four of us. We'd stand in a square, and you would basically just have to like throw it at each other, and if you drop the ball three times, you were out. It wasn't that hard, but like mm-hmm. the the one that we played all the time, and my mom literally hated me for it but it, at least called the diving game but literally we'd have like you know like the little miniature foam footballs like nothing that's full size but the little small ones mm-hmm. um nice and like soft or whatever almost like a nerf ball but it is like a little football where like me and a couple of my friends would literally just stand what 10 15 feet away from each other and we would purposely make terrible throws with these mini footballs like way away from you and like you had to dive you had to lay out to catch the football if like you hit your knees if you just fell to your knees or anything like that it didn't count and we had to like first one to 10 or 12 but you would be laying out all over the place and i swear to god i would come home with my blue jeans just literally green like my mom would hate my guts like you're literally just scraping your blue jeans against the grass to make me mad uh but we used to do that all the time and i that's where I, you know, originally got my love for toe taps and receivers and football, you know, and making crazy catches. I mean, all the cool ones I did. I mean, it was just like a little, little miniature football. I mean, your hands aren't big enough when you're a kid to, like, do one-handed catches of an NFL football. So 
Uh, did you make up any games in your childhood, James? We used to play. Uh, we used to play tag, but we uh, played it a little differently. One of the kids that lived in the neighborhood had a BB gun, and it was like really weak. So we would play tag with the BB gun. The person oh. that was it had the BB gun, and they got to shoot God. with the BB gun. But it, you know, you, you, the rule was that you could only put one pump in it. Okay. And with only one pump, it wasn't like it never like never broke the skin of well, anybody. You feel it. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it. It'll leave like a little red, little red spot if they're close and everything. And it only had a didn't have a very good range, with only one pump. Probably either. not very accurate either. <laughs> no, not really. So, but it was it was fun. I mean, you were a kid, you didn't know any better. Yeah, shooting BB guns at each other. You're dumb. If you wear your glasses, make sure you didn't get your eye poked out, kid. Yeah, I didn't have glasses back then. No. What's your uh, What's your favorite made up childhood game? What, what What did you make in your brain and have fun with? So I lived in these groups of like. 10 townhomes but the driveways of them backed up to each other so like you would have one group to the left and one group to the right so you'd have like 20 little townhomes sharing one driveway and i was good friends with all the people on the block and i was like in second and third grade didn't know any better i invented broom ball so we would take our little tykes uh hummers so you know the things that they're these little cars where you know the gas pedals where they would yeah like battery powered ones yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the ones that every kid wants yeah so i took a broom would drive in those things and hit a ball into a hula hoop (laughs) so basically like you guys were doing like rocket league or like or like little tyke um oh my god polo yeah polo yeah on horses like little tyke polo (laughs) that would actually be a sight to see just like a bunch of like eight-year-olds with brooms driving around their little tyke hummers just Mm -hmm. like poking at each other Trying to hit each other with their brooms and such. It just made me think, I'm like, do you play Rocket League on the... Oh, yeah, I love Rocket League. On the PS4? Yeah. Well, I'm not on Xbox, but... That was that game before that was even thought of. Basically. They actually did... I saw a video on Facebook where they did, like, a demolition derby with, like, one of those big plastic clear balls. Yeah. And they did, like, a Rocket League with demolition derby cars (laughs) where they were just, like, running into each other and hitting this ball. It was really cool to see. They did it down in, like, Oklahoma or Texas, which doesn't surprise me whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, But um, I would totally buy, like, a junker car for 250 bucks to go in a demolition derby and try to play some Rocket League. That would be fun. That's a bucket list thing. I would like to go to Demolition Derby. Hopefully you don't get neck injuries, but... That's the only reason I have PS Plus. <laughs> is because of Rocket League. Now, uh... Did you ever play Pickle? Pickle, yes. Pickle? Yeah, just on a baseball on a baseball diamond, just literally running back and forth. Yeah, you yeah. just have two guys on on two of the bases, and you would have the guy in between, and... Yeah, chase him down. Man, there was... Now you're well, bringing we back... Well, we would play it where you had to start at the base, and the other guys would just basically just keep throwing the ball back and forth, and you decided when you were going to take off, and then you had to see see who could successfully get back and forth the so most times. So one of the other bases, yeah. Yeah, man, that's everybody just reminds. There's so many. Hey, all all you little kids out there, I know you're probably not listening, but have fun with your games, like Red Rover and all that cool stuff on the playground. Squares. Yeah, like yeah, squares. I think they still have tetherball, even though it's extremely dangerous. Always has been extremely dangerous, but man, that, that was just, a fun game, though. Yeah, but you could literally just knock out somebody. That's how you broke your nose when you were like six years old. Like some kid just whop the ball around and just start spinning at a hundred miles an hour, and you were not in the right place. That was the tether ball was the ultimate way of knowing that you were better than someone. Or though. you were stronger because you could just like you could just, boom. just <laughs> yeah, and you could just whip it around the pole and like this one. You like your other kid just stands away, just like oh no, I'm not, I'm not, not taking this on the chin. Chance. Yeah, I'm not taking this on the chin. But yeah. uh, you just broke. Brought me back all these memories of where I my gym teacher was just 
That's what he said. Whip pickle. I'm just like, oh my god, there's so much. But before we get too far into a rabbit hole into our childhood, scooter day. Oh my god, those were the worst things ever. You just put somebody on a rope and whip around the gym, and then somebody's <laughs> dead. How many concussions happened by like one kid getting their knees knocked out from underneath them while you're rolling around on those scooters? Oh man, that's where kids got the first idea of demolition derby, just knocking heads together. All right, but, that's a trifecta topic for next week. Right. <laughs> so yeah, make sure you come back next week to hear more about our, our gym classes as kids or something. Thank you so much for listening. As always, like, share, retweet, comment. We'll get you fed by with some Jimmy Johns. And we will see you next week for episode 126.